You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. Only just dawned on me, staring back at myself in the video, how much I bloody need a shave. Jesus, need to address that straight away. Uh, but welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're all well. I uh, hope you're all enjoying this Wednesday. Hope you're all enjoying the build up to this huge game uh, between England and Denmark this evening. Uh, taking place at Wembley in the semi-final of Euro 2020. Of course, uh, reports are starting to filter through saying that Bukayo Saka, uh, from an Arsenal perspective, will be coming back into the side uh, to replace Jadon Sancho, who I'm not really sure did enough to maintain his place against Ukraine. I don't think Jadon Sancho was bad against Ukraine. In fact, I thought he was he was probably quite good. Um, I thought his movement was really good. We talked about that in the, the post-match uh, podcast on that one. But he didn't exactly sort of set the world on fire, if you like. And so I think Bukayo Saka, uh, now that he's returned to fitness, coming back into the side is probably a fair move from Gareth Southgate and one that I don't think will raise too many eyebrows when you consider how Saka has performed for England at the tournament when given the opportunity up until now. Uh, so good news for Saka, obviously, fingers crossed he is in the starting lineup and hopefully he has a good game as well. Um, always got to back the Arsenal boys and it's becoming harder and harder to do when watching England. It's been very hard to do over recent years because it's not been that much uh, Arsenal representation in the national team. Um, and yeah, I've got to admit, while I'm probably wanting Italy to win Euro 2020, I wouldn't mind England doing it if Bukayo Saka is the star of the show. I don't want Harry Kane to be the star of the show. I don't want Raheem Sterling to be the star of the show. Bukayo Saka or not at all. <laughs> um, right, let's, uh, let's move into some transfer news because as always, there are a number of reports going around concerning the Arsenal. And we're going to start off by discussing a familiar name. Uh, that is Leon's Hussem Awar. Now, if you remember back to last summer, Arsenal were heavily, heavily linked with a move for Awar. And Arsenal famously hit a bit of a brick wall in the negotiations with the Leon president, Jean-Michel Olas. Arsenal were not willing to pay the money that, uh, that Leon were after. Now, you know, some suggested at the time that Arsenal couldn't pay the money that that Leon were asking for for Hussein Awar. However, they did then go and buy Thomas Partey on transfer deadline day in a in a deal worth a sum that I believe would have convinced Leon to sell Hussein Awar. So it was clear that those two were were both targets last summer. We we heard a lot about the potential of of Arsenal maybe getting both, and I think we all kind of built that up and got excited and thought, you know, maybe this is going to happen only for us to kind of be disappointed ultimately at the end uh, when we only sign one. But listen, with Awar, you know, a lot of people have kind of gone off of the idea since last summer. Uh, there's been sort of a lot of reports over the course of, of the season just gone that Hussein Awar wasn't quite at his best, that he's made a, a real stink at Leon in terms of 
sort of making his feelings very clear about where he sees his future, that he wants to leave the club and all of that jazz. So, you know, Hussein Mawar's reputation in, in that sense has taken a bit of a beating over the last uh, 12 months or so. But here we are again with Arsenal reportedly uh, looking to reignite that interest. And according to reports in France from Le Ten Sport um, specifically, Arsenal have lodged a bid. Now, I've got to stress this point here because that is the report coming out of France. Le Ten Sport, as I say, the, the source of this. But there have also been conflicting reports coming from a number of different people suggesting that actually this is not true. It is fake news and that Arsenal are interested in Hussemawa and are considering a move for Hussemawa, but haven't got to the point yet that Le Ten Sport are reporting, which is the point of submitting an actual former formal offer. So a little bit conflicting on this one. Don't really know, um, you know, whether that bid has gone in. Don't really know if the price quoted is uh, is accurate. But we're going to go by the information that we've got and we're going to discuss the idea of who Semawar coming to Arsenal um, on that basis. And as I say, look, it could change. Uh, we could bless me, sorry, uh, you know, we could hear that it's not true. We could see this progress further down the line. I think that if Arsenal were as interested in Hussemawa last season as we were led to believe at the time, I find it hard to kind of imagine that Arsenal have just um, completely gone off the idea in that 12 months and have completely decided against him and have completely uh, sort of thrown the idea down the drain. I think if it's a target that you were really, really big on uh, and now you've got an opportunity pot potentially to pick him up for half of that price. Now, remember, last summer we were being quoted 40 to 45 million pounds for Hussein And now we're being told that the bid that's gone in was 25 million euros, uh, which is around about 21 million pounds. And while that supposedly isn't good enough to get the deal done, it isn't enough for Leon uh, to say yes. That's what the report from Le Ten Sport says anyway. They also allege that it's actually quite close to triggering what Leon are looking for, for the player. So I, I guess the way I'm looking at this is if Arsenal were as interested in Hussein last summer, as we thought at the time, then surely 12 months down the line, just 12 months down the line, the prospect of picking him up for half of that price feels one that feels like one that should appeal to Arsenal. Surely, right? I'm just trying to apply some common sense here. Um, what would Hussein Mawar bring to the side if he were to join? And I know Hussein Mawar is not the necessarily the attacking midfield player uh, that a lot of Arsenal fans are, are desperate to see come in. I'd argue that he's a bit more of a a box-to-box -box midfield player uh, than an, an attacking midfield player. I don't think he's a defensive midfield player either. That's why I say um, maybe box-to-box -box the wrong term, but he's a central midfielder for me, not an attacking midfielder, not a defensive midfielder. And I think that if you look at the positions in which he's been deployed um, for Leon over the last sort of couple of seasons, you, you, you'll see that's pretty much the case. The majority of his appearances have come in that centre of midfield position. Um, he's very sort of well known for, for being able to pick out key passes, for recycling the ball, for moving the ball. Um, 
People talk about his ability to carry the ball quite frequently as well, uh, which is always a positive. I think he's kind of looked at as a bit of a, I don't want to say a, a poor defender because I don't think that is fair. But when I say he's not a defensive midfielder, I, I mean, he's not the type of player that you think is going to uh, smash into challenges. He's not, you know, the the kind of, N'Golo Kante all-action figure that will get around the park. He's more of a technician and the kind of player that I think actually Mikel Arteta is probably looking for in the midfield alongside Thomas Partey. We've had lots of back and forth as a fan base over the last few months with regards to whether or not Arsenal should be looking at Yves Bissouma of Brighton. And I've said repeatedly, I like Bissouma. I think he's a good footballer. I think he's a useful player. But in my personal opinion, and from all the things I've heard and read over the last sort of few months, he doesn't seem to be the profile of player that Arsenal want. I think Mikel Arteta does want a bit more of a technician, someone who can drop into the positions that Granit Xhaka would drop into, pick up the ball from the back four and help us progress the ball up the field in a more effective way. I don't think you necessarily need to be, um, you know, a defensive midfielder as such to do a good job in a deep position. And what I mean by that is if you fill the right spaces tactically, which Granit Xhaka did really, really well last season, you have to say, then I think you can compensate for the fact that maybe your defending is not, in terms of your one-on-one duels, your tackling, your battling, your, your sort of uh, physical side of it is not necessarily as good as someone like Basuma's. But if you play the game smart, if you drop into the right areas, if the team is cohesive, if the team has a plan, if the team understands their roles, I think you can you can make up for that in other ways. And I think Hussein Mouar, as I say, you know, when you consider the fact that he was such a primary target for Arsenal last summer, we all know that. It's hard to believe that, as I say, the prospect of picking him up just 12 months down the line for half of that price wouldn't appeal to Arsenal Football Club. And I, I, listen, I do want to stress the point here, right, that while there are reports that that bid has gone in, there are also reports that say it's absolute nonsense. And so we've got to take this with a pinch of salt. But it is certainly worth discussing because Hussein Mouar is clearly um, a long-term pro- uh, a long-term target, has been a long-term target for Arsenal, continues to be on the list, as Fabrizio Romano would put it. And so we can't rule out this move. I actually think that if a deal is there to be done, a deal is there to be done, anything between 25 and 30 million euros, I think that would appeal to Arsenal. And I think this is a transfer you could see uh, materialise over the course uh, of the next few weeks. And we definitely need to strengthen in that position. We definitely need to bring in midfield players. And I don't see why, if Hussein Awar was so highly rated by Arsenal just 12 months ago, why so much would have changed to the point where we're now not interested at all. Now, Hussein Awar received a bit of stick last season um, for his some of his performances. He's just 23 years old, of course. And I think what he did was he kind of set very high standards for himself. Um, and then people were kind of now looking at him and going, well, he hasn't really kicked on. He hasn't really pushed on. Well, actually, when you compare... Hussein Awar's goal contributions, for example, uh, from the 1920 season in comparison to the season that just finished, so 2020 uh, 21, he actually scored four more goals um, this time around and he managed three assists just like he did in the season prior. Uh, but as I say, four more goals this time around. Obviously, um, 
there was no Champions League football for Leon. Um, this time around, then in the 1920 season, he really did shine in Europe's premier competition, registering six assists in that competition alone. So you can see why Hussein Awar's uh, stock at the time was very high. You can see why people, um, you know, have looked at some of his performances or, or, or maybe not even looked at his, his performances, have maybe assumed that he's not been at the same level because he hasn't been on that Champions League stage. He hasn't been there for everybody to see, for everybody to watch and in everybody's kind of eyeline, you know, as they say, out of sight, out of mind is, is you know, is true so often. And I think this is probably a bit of an issue here with Hussein Awa because if you look at his player rating, and again, I always say this, those player ratings are not, you know, they're not the be-all and end-all. They're not the gospel, as we like to say, but they do give us an indication on performance. Uh, and it's helpful when you're somebody who doesn't watch a lot of French football like myself. And you look at what he achieved in the 2019-20 season, um, you know, in the Champions League, his rating was seven and a half out of 10 on average in those eight appearances, which is very, very strong. In the league, though, his average rating was seven out of 10. Uh, and that was off the back of 25 appearances. He's had a few more appearances this season, 30 appearances. And the rating has dropped just below seven. So 6.83 out of 10 was the average uh, rating that Hussein Mouar picked up across all of the league and performances last season. So yes, there's been a slight drop off. But is the drop off enough for you to go, well, he's no longer a target. He's no longer part of the plans. One of two things is either going to happen. Either Arsenal are going to go and um, and uh, and try and make this deal happen, which would suggest that, yes, last summer we were massive on Hussein Mouar, um And, you know, we've had to be patient. We've had to bide our time. But now he'd be available for essentially pretty much half of what we paid last time out. And that's a positive. Or you're going to look at this and say, well, if he's available 20, 25 million and Arsenal don't want to know, then maybe, uh, you know, just maybe the, the interest last time around wasn't as strong as we thought. And the feeling within the club about him wasn't as positive as maybe we were led to believe. Because make no mistake about it, you know, it's not like, you know, sometimes you miss out on a player, you bring in somebody else and you move forward. And then that player that you held in such high esteem and high regard previously is now not needed because you've moved on. You've moved past that. Arsenal certainly haven't moved on. Arsenal finished eighth in the Premier League again and are about to lose, actually, probably the most consistent midfield performer we had all season in, in Granit Xhaka. So Arsenal certainly haven't moved on in that sense for us to be looking at Awar as someone that we're kind of seeing in the rear view mirror at the moment. Um, so either that interest isn't really as strong as we thought it was, or Arsenal are going to try and take advantage of this situation that Hussein Moir and Leon find themselves in and cash in. Um, Brad says, uh, why is his value so much lower? Um, I think everybody's value has been, or most players' values have been quite negatively impacted um, by the... Uh, by the... Um, the coronavirus pandemic. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, we were talking about Matteo Genduzzi just a couple of days ago and how we'd got, um, you know, a fee that many people felt was was probably not enough uh, for him or we're going to get that fee in the future when that deal 
uh, does become permanent. And just while we're on the subject of Gwendouzi, because a few of you uh, questioned me on the subject yesterday and said that, because um, I reported that Matteo Gwendouzi's move to Marseille included an option, uh, sorry, an, an obligation to purchase him at the end of it for around about £10 million. I was told by lots of you in the chat that Marseille had reported it as an option to buy rather than an obligation. So we did a little bit more digging. Um, and I found last night, but also it was said by Charles Watts today, which makes me feel a lot better about it, uh, that actually it's not uh, an, it's not legally an obligation to buy, but there are certain triggers in the contract that will mean that it basically is an obligation to buy because they are triggers that are very low triggers and triggers that Marseille will almost certainly hit and Matteo Ganduzzi will almost certainly hit that will make that deal uh, permanent. I mean, he's out of contract at the end of next season at, at Arsenal. He would have been out of contract. So why would it be an option to buy? Why wouldn't Marseille just leave it, um, you know, and then just pick him up on a free transfer? Why would they agree to an option to buy? They're only agreeing because they want to guarantee that they're going to pick up the player from us and we're not going to sell him to anybody else. As I say, Matteo Genduzzi's Arsenal contract was due to expire at the end of next season. Therefore, if he um, he had had a good loan spell uh, at Marseille, what would be what would be the need for the option to buy him? He'd be a free agent. Surely you just snap him up like that. Um, just kind of on that as well, Costandinos Mavropanos' move to Stuttgart is something of a similar ilk where we're talking about an option to buy. Um, but that one, the contract there states that if Stuttgart survive in the Bundesliga, i.e. don't get relegated, they will have to make the deal permanent for Gostandinos Mavropano. So what you're seeing is, as I predicted sort of a few weeks ago, a lot of clubs just doing what they can to tie down players, secure players' signatures, but essentially kicking the can down the road with regards to actually paying up because they want to allow themselves to recuperate some of the finance that they've lost um, over the course of the last year or so when we've been dealing with this, this pandemic. So that's where I am on Hussein Mouar. I think it would be a decent signing. I think at twenty twenty five million pounds, it would be a steal, um, given what his, his his potential is. He is twenty three years old. Um, you know, he's a player that Arsenal clearly have had on their radar for a little while now. His contract expires in June twenty twenty three, so by the end of next season, he'll only have a, a year left on his deal, um, which obviously impacts what he would go for in the transfer market as well. So those, those are just some of the reasons in response to that question um, about why his value dipped. And also, you know, the, the key point is that French football is in a really difficult spot at the moment. A lot of the clubs in France are really going through a, a real difficult period off the back of this pandemic. And essentially, they're going to have to make moves in the transfer market, even if they don't necessarily want to. They're going to secure their financial future uh, moving forward. In other news, uh, some of the Arsenal squad have, of course, returned to London Colney for pre-season training today. Uh, so not everybody, of course, there are players involved uh, at the European Championships. There are players uh, who were involved in the Copa America as well. Uh, so there is um, there is uh, 
a fair few back, you know, Bamiyang, for example, will be back there. Lacazette will be back there. Nicola Pepe will be back there among some of the other big names. But yeah, Arsenal getting the players back in uh, today was the first day of pre-season. And of course, we've got a game as, as soon as next Tuesday. Arsenal heading off to Scotland to take on Hibernian. Uh, and then they'll face Rangers on Saturday, 17th of July, uh, before we travel to America to play in the Florida Cup, where we'll meet Inter Milan. Um, or we'll meet Everton. Uh, we'll also meet Everton or Los Millonarios as well. Uh, so lots to come. Arsenal.com are streaming the matches. Um, for those of you who are members of the club or members online, you'll be able to watch those matches for free. If you're not, uh, I think you can buy a match pass, which is $7.99 per game. I would say if you're going to watch all the games, um, you're better off just signing up for an Arsenal membership than paying $7.99 a game. It doesn't make any sense uh, to me. So uh, that's what I would do. Uh, but just a little heads up for those of you looking to watch those games. I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to find streams for them because they are friendlies and that means not a lot of broadcasters uh, are going to pick them up. Not as many as would during the competitive season anyway. Uh, but yeah, just so you know, Arsenal.com will be streaming those games uh, on the website for those of you who wish to tune in. Also, Gabriel has pulled out of the Brazil Olympic squad uh, off the back of picking up a knee injury. Charles Watts reported it to be tendonitis in the knee, but he did say that no timescale has been provided by the club with regards uh, to when he might return. So what does that mean for Arsenal's transfer plans? What does that mean for William Saliba? Well, depending on the severity of the problem, Gabriel could well uh, miss the start of the season. And we've talked a lot about Ben White coming in, but again, Ben White is at the Euros, another player who will be coming back to things late. So do we start the season with Pablo Marie and, and Rob Holding at centre-back? Does this mean that William Saliba will be held back by Arsenal um, from fear of being left short in the position? Because by all accounts, you know, William Saliba has, has made it very, very clear that he wants to uh, he wants to join Marseille. He wants to return to French football. And Marseille seems like a good fit, as I've discussed previously. But as I also said yesterday, I think it was, we've heard uh, reports that Marseille are actually looking at alternative options, that they would prefer to sign a more experienced centre-half who could come in and uh, and have a positive impact right away without, taking, without them essentially taking such a big gamble. So... Um, I think we've got to wait for the kind of diagnosis on Gabriel. I think we've got to wait for some information on how long he might be out for. And I think that could have a knock-on effect uh, on what happens um, moving forward. I'd, I'd be interested uh, to see, you know, if this is a an injury that should, we should be concerned about. I'd be interested to see, um, you know, what what that leads to Arsenal doing in the summer, if it means Arsenal act in the transfer market in terms of bringing someone in, or if it means that they hold people back, i.e. Saliba, who is uh, who has been told that he can go out on loan. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, just mentioning uh, Pablo Marie there. Suti FM says Marie is open to moving as he's been frustrated by a lack of games. I'm not surprised. Um, I, I don't know that for a fact. I, I can't say I do. Um, but, you know, you're right, he has been on the peripheries. He, he's too good a centre-half, in my opinion, to just be that. But I think the fact that he has been that in a season when Arsenal have been 
the third best side in the Premier League defensively. I think that is a testament to the strength that we have in that position. And I think that Mikel Arteta deserves praise for what he's done at centre-back with some of the players he's brought in and the way he's been able to make this unit uh, into a far more uh, defensively sturdy outfit. It's why when people were kind of throwing their toys out of the pram about William Saliba being deemed not ready again to kind of come into the side and play right away, I've kind of advised caution and said, calm down. You know, if there's one area in the side that you can look at and say, Mikel Arteta has improved us there, it is centre-back, it is defence. And so you've got to, to some degree, give him the benefit of the doubt. He watches these players train. He watches them week in, week out. He drills them, he coaches them, he sets them up. And so, you know, if you want to sort of dig out Mikel Arteta and you want to talk about bad management, if you want to talk about uh, questionable tactical decisions, if you want to talk about game management, I can accept all of those things. But when it comes to the defence, I actually think he's done a really good job. And I think the criticism of him um, from a defensive standpoint is, it, from from where I can see it, feels like it's a bit agenda-driven. And it's a bit like people are trying to create another issue to back up the, the argument that he shouldn't be manager. Um you know, it's uh, it's 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 a hard one to get my head around. Uh, Sooty also says, I don't understand why Arsenal are taking so long to confirm Ben White. Just another £5 million to potentially get the deal done. Just do it. As I've said previously, I think that the Ben White thing is, is probably going to happen. I think that Arsenal, um, from what I've heard of, uh, are still at the front of the queue for Ben White. They're the club that he's indicated he wants to join. But you got to remember, just like Granit Xhaka hasn't joined Roma yet, just like... Um, you know, Jaden Sancho hasn't officially signed on the dotted line. I know, you know, there's, the deal's been agreed, but he hasn't been presented, unveiled as a Manchester United player. It's because the Euros are going on. You know, England's participation in the Euros makes things logistically difficult to do. Um, yes, England are in the UK and England are at, in and around Wembley. And, you know, that medical, if it was at that stage, could be done quite easily. Do you want that distraction at this crucial stage of a tournament? I would say that, that it's July 7th. We've got over a month, probably about a month and what, a month and a week, five weeks uh, to get our transfer business done. So I'm not stressing about it just yet. If the Euros finish and we're sort of getting a week, two weeks further down the line and there's still no sort of movement on that, then I'll start to get concerned. But right now uh, I'm quite cool about it. I've got to be honest. Get some of your questions in the chat box. I'd love to pick up uh, some of your questions between now and the end of the stream. Um, can be on anything you like. Let's quickly check in where we're at in terms of likes as well. Um, I can see right now uh, that we have got over... Um, let's have a look. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Typical, isn't it, that I can't find the app that I want to get into. Uh, right, so we've got over 160 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. We've only got 41 likes on the YouTube video. Let's try and get that up to at least 75. It should be um, it should be doable. It should be achievable. Um, so, yeah, get involved. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. Right, let's go over to the questions. Akil says, who would you rather have, Sabitza or Awa? Um... This is a tough one. I would probably say that they're not quite the same in terms of their playing style. 
And so for me, it would depend on what it is that Mikel Arteta wants to get out of this midfield player that he's going to bring in. I would argue that Marcel Sabitzer will give you more in the attacking third of the pitch. But I would also argue that I don't know if he's the man that you want necessarily dropping deep, picking up the ball in front of his back four, turning and starting moves off, tempo setting, if you like. I'm not sure that Sabitzer is that man. And listen, there'll be people out there that have watched much more of Marcel Sabitzer, much more of Hussein Awa than I have. But it's just the kind of the preconceptions or the conceptions I have in my mind of those two players. That's my first thought. If you're looking for, you know, I wouldn't be against both of them coming in and Sabitzer playing in that more advanced role, for example. Um, but I don't think I'd like to see Awa playing that role. I think I'd like to see him a little bit further back. So for me, it's um, it's a difficult one. I, I, as I say, I think it depends on what it is that, that Arsenal are looking to achieve. I think Hussein Awa has a higher ceiling than Marcel Sabitzer. But Sabitzer is probably performing at a better level currently. And it depends on what you're looking at here. Are you looking at um, the future? Are you looking at the now? I know the now is important, but if you've got a clear direction in which you want to go and you see Hussein Awa as the right profiler player to fit in that, then I think you lean towards that rather than the Sabitza route. Um, but that's just my take. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Josh Hunter, following on from that question. What do you think of us signing Awar and Sabitza for a combined fee of 50 million rather than Madison for potentially 50, 60 million? I'd be, I just kind of touched on that. I'd be, I'd be well up for that. Um, I like them both. I think they bring something different to the side. I think they're both capable of playing that little bit deeper as well. Though I think, as I said, Sabitza is probably a little bit more useful in the sort of attacking thirds. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be up for that for sure. Uh, what else we've got? Big hello to Matt Lewis in there. I uh, hope you're good, mate. I hope you're well. Um, Don Saki says, Kayla Navas or Leno, whom would you prefer? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Um, that is, uh, that is a, a difficult question. That is a difficult question. Um, I mean, with Burn Leno, I, I don't think there's a, there's an in-between with Bern Leno. I think Bern Leno is either incredibly good, incredibly, uh, you know, brilliant when it comes to shot stopping, or he can be somebody that makes me feel uneasy. And I've talked about this in the past, that my kind of preferred goalkeeping style is not the style of Bern Leno. It's more of the kind of safe hands thing. I, that's why, and I'm not going to go into the Martinez conversation. I mean, congratulations to uh, Martinez on a brilliant display for Argentina last night in the Copa America. Uh, saved a couple of penalties, got them um, through to the uh, to the um, to the Copa America final where they'll meet Brazil. Brilliant work from him. Um, and and uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that debate again. You know, did we sell the wrong goalkeeper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not going to get drawn into that debate because I think there is a case that could be made that says we did sell the wrong goalkeeper and there is a case that can be made that says we absolutely didn't because he didn't want to stay and fight for his place anyway. So what was the point? That being said, Martinez is more the type of goalkeeper that I like. Me personally, my preference. Kalon Navas 
can be quite erratic, a little bit like Bern Leno. He can also make wonderful saves, but I'm not completely convinced on Kaylor Navas either. So if you're talking about a straight swap, I mean, how old is Kaylor Navas? Let me check this out because you know, obviously Kaylor Navas has had incredible experience and has been at some of the, the big clubs, you know, he's at, currently at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he's won three Champions Leagues, hasn't he, with Real Madrid, uh, with whom he was with uh, from August 2014 to September 2019. He did a good five-year stint with Real Madrid during uh, one of the most successful periods in Real Madrid's history. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Uh, but he's 34 years old and that puts me off a little bit. So I'd probably stick with Bern Leno, although I'm not completely satisfied with Bern Leno, I've got to be honest. Uh, because one day, as I say, he can be absolutely brilliant. And the next day, uh, he can be an absolute fucking nightmare. Uh, Robin says, uh, do you think Arsenal will play with a 4-3-3 system coming this season? Arteta kind of hinted that in the past. Well, if he is, then the signings of, for example, Hussein Mawar and Marcel Sabitzer would, would actually fit into that quite well. I think, as I said, Hussein Mawar for me is a centre midfielder, not a defensive midfielder, not an attacking midfielder. And if Mikel Arteta is going to look at that type of player, um, you know, I, I think Awar could do the role that Xhaka did, that deep-lying playmaker kind of role. But you could make a case that if he was to go for someone like Hussein Awar, it would be with a view uh, to shift in that. It would be with a view to him, Partey, and someone else being a midfield three, a bit like the way Liverpool play, a bit like the way Manchester City play, um, where there's a bit more fluidity in that rather than that rigid two-man pivot with one player. Uh, just in front. Uh, big hello to Daniel. Thank you for your very kind words, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, e. Yaluris says, uh, do you not think we need PL proven players that can come straight into the team? I think PL proven is one of these things that is is preferable, but it's not essential because I think if you're a top player, you'll make it anywhere, um, first of all. And I think that what you're seeing with these Premier League proven players, if you like, is that they're commanding ridiculous transfer fees. So if we're going to be limited in what we can do and not be able to address the positions we need this summer because we were obsessed by Premier League proven and therefore overspent on certain players, um, then uh, then then I, I'm I'm not that fussed about it. It's not that big a deal to me. Uh, I got to be honest. Um, Roy Eaton, one of our members. How you how you doing, Roy? Thank you so much. Uh, for supporting the channel, mate. He says, uh, hi, Harry, if the season starts poorly and Arteta is sacked, do you think Edu should also go? Um, it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Because Edu will kind of live and die by what Mikel Arteta does. Edu will do transfer business. I think you've got to, you've got to be able to compartmentalise when assessing their performances, what Edu is responsible for and what Mikel Arteta is responsible for. Ultimately, the success of the team is down to both of them. Uh, but if Edu gets him the players he wants and Mikel Arteta, for example, deploys them in the wrong formation, gets things wrong tactically, it's very hard to pin that on Edu, who has no impact in that sense. So um, it would depend. It would depend on on a lot of things for me. It's not as, as kind of cut and dry as that. Um, I think it is very dependent on um on you know what what we achieve as a football team. Uh Ride Dog says Husemawa is not a deep lying playmaker. I didn't say he was, mate. I said that I think he's capable of doing that role. 
That's what I said. I didn't say he was a deep line playmaker. I've been sort of banging on throughout the show saying that he's not a defensive midfield player that plays in that really deep position. He's not an attacking midfield player either. He's a central midfielder for me. Uh, and I think that he has the technical attributes to be able to drop that little bit deeper and play in that deep line playmaker position. So what I was trying to say is that just because Arsenal are rumoured to be interested in him, it doesn't really give me a 100% indication on which way Mikel wants to go with the formation. Because I believe Awa could play as part of a three or he could probably play as part of that two-man pivot as well. So that's what I was I was trying to say. Uh, what else have we got? A uh, big hello to Orlando Aguilar, who joins us from Miami. Hope you're well, mate. Um, I hope you're good. Um Brad Richardson says that we signed Koscielny on this day in 2010. Interesting. How would you rank him in Arsenal's best centre-back in the Emirates era? Hmm. I think he's probably the number one in the Emirates era. I think you've got to give him that. I think you've got to give him that because, first of all, we haven't had anyone else outstanding. But second of all, the longevity, um, the period of time over which he did it. You've got to remember as well, when Lauren Koscielny came into English football, he was literally thrown in at the deep end by Arsene Wenger. He hadn't had that much experience at the top, top level. I think he was at Lorient before. Uh, I'll just double check that to make sure I'm not giving you false information. Um, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, he, he, he was at, that's right, Lorient uh, signed July 7th, 2010, 11.25 million pounds. So he gave us a good nine years, uh, Lauren Koscielny, and we still managed, imagine that, even in his kind of twilight years, we still managed to recuperate pretty much half of the fee that we paid for him when we then sold him to Bordeaux. So uh, interesting that. Uh, but yeah, Lauren Koscielny, you know, he had some really good periods. I thought alongside Per Mertesacker, he was really, really good. Um, you know, I think he was brilliant. Um, but, you know, there were moments as well where I looked at him and I wasn't quite 100% sure. But yet, in in sort of comparison to some of the others we've had during the Emirates era, he's not going up against much, you've got to say. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Right. I am going to leave it there. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for your brilliant questions, your brilliant interaction throughout this edition of the podcast. Don't forget to hit the like button on the video if you haven't done so already. Let me just quickly check in where we are at. Please subscribe too if you haven't done that either because we're approaching 14,000 subscribers. I think we're about 75, 80 away uh, on YouTube alone. 64 likes on the video though. Um, if we could get that up to 100 or as close to that as possible by the time the outro plays, that would be great. Um, Thank you once again. Hope you will enjoy the football this evening. Uh, big, big game for England, of course, taking on uh, Denmark in the Euro 2020 semi-final. We should get a look at our boy Bukayo Saka. And uh, I'll be back with some more content for you tomorrow morning. Where we'll be looking back on that game. Um, and, uh, and we'll be uh, then going back to our usual schedule. Arsenal show at midday. And Arsenal show a little bit later on as well. Catch you all very soon. Until next time, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.